The views expressed by our podcast guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Federal Home Loan Bank of Dallas. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to BankCast, a podcast from FHLB Dallas. I'm your host, Vanessa Soto, and we're here today with our guest, Andy Gibson, Mississippi Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce, to discuss the agriculture industry. Commissioner Gibson took office in April 2018. He is a farmer, lawyer, pastor, and former state representative. Prior to his service as Ag Commissioner, Mr. Gibson served in the Mississippi House of Representatives for 10 years. Welcome to the podcast, Commissioner Gibson. Thank you, Vanessa. Great to be with you today. Thank you. We're very, very happy to have you. Commissioner Gibson, let me ask you, when you took office, uh, you embarked on a tour to visit farmers throughout the state and listen to the issues, challenges, and opportunities that they're facing. What are some of those challenges and opportunities? Yeah, you know, I as I took office uh, oh, almost uh, three years ago, now it's hard to believe, wow, uh, the goal that I had was to really get on the ground with our farmers in all of our 82 counties here in Mississippi. And uh, for those who may not be aware, Mississippi's agriculture, of course, it's our number one industry, and it's spread out all over the state and very diverse, everything from from uh, timber, forestry, to catfish, to so cotton, corn, soybeans, and uh, cattle, of course, a little bit of everything here in Mississippi. And so every community, every farmer has their own story to tell, and I spent about uh, 10 months traveling the state listening and learning and uh, looking for those issues, the opportunities, as well as the challenges. And, you know, so many of the challenges are things that uh, we as farmers can't control. Uh, the, the, the farmers, uh, myself included, we, we raise our livestock or we put seed in the ground, and uh, there's just uh, so much that we can control. But when it comes to the markets, when it comes to some of the trade issues that we've had in the last couple of years, those are things that are outside our control. But uh, there's always the crop, and, uh, you know, two of the common things that I heard uh, over uh, the course of that, that farm tour was uh, the, the need for more agriculture workforce. We, we put a lot of emphasis in our state, and we always have on, on workforce development. And when, 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 for example, our legislature thinks about that, they're thinking in terms of uh, you know, automobile plants and other high-tech jobs such as that. And, and so I think sometimes we may have let uh, slip the, the number one industry in our state, agriculture, and the workforce that it takes to keep uh, the farms running, to keep the crops uh, growing and uh, keep them fertilized and tended to and, and harvested. So we're seeing in our state uh, uh, some concern among farmers as to who is going to be there to run the farm uh, when this generation of farmers uh, retires or decides to go home? So we started an uh, agriculture internship program here at our Department of Agriculture to address that and to promote apprenticeships and to find more young people interested in having a job on the farm and, and realizing that uh, farming is not like it was in the 1920s or 1930s or uh, you know, the, with the the uh, traditional uh, working in the soil with a hoe, uh, for example. But it is high-tech in these days and times with drone technology and other uh, computer-based technologies. and uh, Even in the forestry industry, it's become rather high-tech. So trying to 
expose more young people to the idea that they can have a career in Mississippi, in agriculture, and, and stay on the farm and uh, enjoy the, the values of uh, the farm life and make a good living. So that's a, a big need that we saw. The other one was that, uh, you know, uh, so many farmers at that point in time that I talked with were expressing concern about uh, trade issues. And so we launched our own uh, Mississippi-specific agricultural trade initiative, and we uh, put in place a plan to uh, uh, make contacts uh, where we can to promote our Mississippi products. For example, uh, visiting Taiwan uh, just that particular year and uh, getting a deal with Taiwan for soybeans. So we uh, solved those issues and worked on that as well as uh, we decided – to keep that communication going with our farmers on the ground, we established a 82 county uh, county correspondence program with uh, a farmer. We have a farmer or two or three in every county that keeps us here at, at our headquarters apprised of current developments, what's happening, and uh, issues that we need to respond to. So those are some things that uh, that came out of that tour, and I'm really glad uh, we did it. I look forward to doing it again in just uh, maybe a couple of years. Wow. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely, um, I'm sure that's definitely been extremely beneficial um, to listen to the farmers up front. Um, and Commissioner, speaking, you, you mentioned the, the trade negotiations, the challenges. Uh, what has been the impact that you have seen from the trade negotiations with China? Well, when I took office, it was actually at the worst point in time uh, as far as trade negotiations with, with China. And the soybeans that have always been such a, a major crop here in Mississippi were at an all-time low due to the uh, that ongoing trade war. The good news is that war uh, has ended, and uh, the deal that was uh, achieved as a result of the negotiation uh, resulted in a huge increase in the value of soybeans here in Mississippi uh, over 2019, for example. Uh, and to give you a sense of how improved it is, uh, the estimated uh, production for 2020 soybeans in Mississippi is $1.21 billion. Now, when I, for many years, our number one ag commodity has been poultry, chicken, mm-hmm. and uh, number two has been forestry. This year, for the first time anyone can remember, soybeans is our number, one, number two uh, commodity overtaking forestry just barely. But that's due to a 67% value increase of soybeans over 2019 uh, based on that improved soybean market, based on the improved trade uh, deals and uh, value, and a lot more acreage that was planted in 2020 versus 2019. So uh, we are looking right now, uh, based on the most recent reports of U.S. exports of soybeans to China, uh, we're looking at a 42% increase in value over the same period in 2019. So from January to October 2020, 42% more exports than 2019. Great increase, and our farmers are happy about that. Uh, And then on the other side of that coin, I mentioned forestry slipping to number three. Uh, The reason for that had to do with COVID. Uh, COVID COVID-19, of course, impacted so many of our uh, products and commodities here in the state. But in Forestry's context, uh, a lot of sawmills around the country were closed down, scaled back in the spring due to COVID during that time of uncertainty. And at the same time, all the 
uh, customers went to the store and bought uh, lumber to do their home improvement, uh, and, and the production just never really did catch up with that demand in 20, uh, 20, in 2020. I think it will catch up uh, and, and probably be back to number two here in Mississippi by, by this time next year. But uh, it's been an interesting year, and trade has played into that. Uh, one other interesting thing on trade, speaking of forestry, is uh, we now have in Mississippi – our first wood pellet export facility on our Gulf Coast, and we're going to be shipping the first shipments of uh, Mississippi-made uh, uh, wood pellets to Asia for their energy production, and we're excited about that, and uh, we think that'll help forestry as well in terms of trade down the line. That's really very interesting. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, you mentioned poultry. Uh, poultry is a is a strong agricultural commodity, as you mentioned can you talk to us about uh, the effects that the coronavirus pandemic has had on that market and uh, maybe others in the ag sector? Absolutely. Uh, you know, my plans for 2020 were, in, in January, this time a year ago, my plan was to really focus on international trade. I had four international trade missions planned around the world uh, to promote Mississippi agriculture. And every one of them got canceled, obviously, due to COVID. But what it did was we, we uh, pivoted to refocus on local demand, local needs. And uh, when you think about uh, the food supply, of course, agriculture is the beginning of that supply. Uh, when COVID hit and all of the restaurants in the country closed for weeks, uh, some of them still have not opened up. But uh, Poultry has always been our state's number one agricultural commodity. Uh, it has taken a hit. Uh, it it dropped in value uh, from uh, about 16% from uh, $2.57 billion in, in 2019 to $2.16 billion. Uh, it's still our number one commodity. Uh, and poultry is not only course the, the the farm value but there's the processing and it's estimated that in 2020 the the poultry industry uh, was responsible for as much as 23 billion dollars in total economic activity through processing and related jobs so, but the supply chain impacts of COVID-19 that we saw in uh, poultry uh, really did impact uh, uh, every aspect of agriculture to some extent obviously poultry cattle uh, were impacted. The beef beef uh, supplies were were uh, pinched, if you will. So were poultry uh, supplies. People stopped eating out, but they started going to the grocery store trying to buy more. And uh, uh, at the same time, there were struggles with some of the poultry plants. You know, uh, keeping running during the the time of the uh, the initial spike of COVID nineteen. Trying to figure out how to keep the plants running, how to keep the workers safe. And uh, a lot of unknowns during that time. So uh, spring inventory disruptions, lower prices in the spring, and then really playing catch up uh, since the, the reopening of the country and our state in that time. At the same time, although poultry uh, broilers took a hit, uh, eggs were up. People bought a lot more eggs in 2020. And eggs is a, a big aspect of Mississippi poultry industry. Uh, eggs were up 21% in estimated value here in Mississippi, up uh, to $260 million compared to prior year. And so as people stopped 
eating out because they couldn't or wouldn't. Uh, they were going to the grocery store buying plenty of eggs and milk and other basic necessities. So, uh, you know, we are very proud of our poultry industry here in Mississippi, and it's very strong, and no doubt it will continue to grow. But uh, it did suffer a little setback in terms of chicken in uh, 2020. And then, Commissioner Gibson, let me ask you, several states have recently legalized hemp growing. Can you talk to us about the state's plan for hemp farming? Yes. Uh, Mississippi, I think, is one of the last states in the nation to legalize hemp farming in our state. That happened in 2020 during the the regular session of the legislature. Uh, The Mississippi legislature passed the Mississippi Hemp Cultivation Act. It was signed into law on June the 29th, 2020. Now, we, frankly, Mississippi uh, was criticized. Some of the legislature criticized our state for being so slow to adopt a hemp program. But it turns out, I think it's for the best, because we were able to learn from other states' uh, experiences. As I traveled the country back in 2019, all the other states that I talked to and commissioners that I spoke with who had, had adopted hemp programs, they said it was so fast-growing and so expansive that they could not, as a state, uh, keep up with it in terms of registration and regulations and so forth. So under the Farm Bill, uh, states have the option to either have their own hemp regulation program, which is what most states did. And of course, that costs money and it takes time and it takes people. And we don't have any of those things uh, unless the legislature gives them to us. So the, the Hemp Cultivation Act that the Mississippi legislature passed gave us the option to either have our own state program funded by the state or, as the Farm Bill provides, the federal Farm Bill allows for the states to opt into a federal uh, cultivation program that is simply federally licensed with no state involvement uh, and no cost to the state. So that's what we decided to do. The legislature passed the bill. They didn't give us any additional resources to uh, to have a state regulatory program. So we elected uh, to contact USDA. They agreed to take over this program. And now Mississippi is one of three states in the country that uh, is probably the, the least restrictive in terms of regulations and registrations. It's simple federal registration to, to farm a hemp. And uh, the program is uh, uh, very, very... Uh, uh, fast growing, it seems to be. We have over 250 farmers who've signed up since August. That was the first time people could sign up under the federal plan. So we have the best of both worlds, a legal hemp uh, cultivation process, federal uh, regulation, uh, limited regulations. And then my role is really in promoting it and supporting our farmers and making sure they have the, the resources they need to uh, to, to grow. 297, that's the number, 297 hemp licenses have been issued as of today in Mississippi. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's and and interestingly, interesting. it, it is. And, and I should add, uh, we actually have a hemp processor. So a lot of these states had, had required licenses for processors. Federal law does not. We already have a, a hemp processor, Kengrow, in Charleston, Mississippi. So that's a good example of how with uh, lesser regulation you can have more economic development. Commissioner Gibson, you mentioned a little while ago uh, drone technology. 
So I want to kind of bring you back to that. Um, in general, 2020, I think, heightened our ability to do things officially from a technological standpoint. Um, so kind of building off of that comment, can you speak to um, any other technological advances in the ag sector uh, that you've seen in the last few years? Oh, yes. Um, you know, COVID-19 forced us to do more with technology, things that we could have been doing all along, but it really did force us to do more with the available technology to, to make sure people are socially distant. And I'll tell you one of the, one of the immediate examples, uh, uh, this uh, COVID-19 hit right during the planning, pre-planning season here in Mississippi. And it's a time of the year that a lot of our farmers go to educational certifications for, for pesticide training and environmental certifications that they have to get through the EPA and uh, through our state uh, environmental partners. And all of those programs were canceled. You couldn't go to a training at the time that you had to have your certificate. So uh, it, it forced, uh, for example, our, our state land-grant institution, uh, Mississippi State University, and others such as Alcorn State to go to online training and certifications and it's worked very well. It's saved a lot of time. It's saved a lot of cost. Uh, people have gotten the benefit of the training from the safety of their own office or home. And uh, technology has been our friend in that regard. Uh, not to mention you know, uh, other technologies that are being deployed, uh, drones to monitor crops, streamline operations, when people are not showing up to work. And that's one of the issues we're seeing now in Mississippi is so many people uh, really either don't feel comfortable coming to work to do the job that has to be done, whether it's on the farm or, or in the office somewhere, or, or maybe they just uh, are, are not at a need to have to come to work. They're, they're at home and uh, they're choosing to stay home. Then uh, these technologies allow our farmers to do more uh, from uh, remote uh, technologies such as drone and satellite imagery and uh, uh, monitoring chicken houses remotely through apps and uh, also marketing. I'll give you one example. Uh, when the COVID-19 hit us in the spring of 2020, I think it's sh it shown a spotlight on the need for local food, more local food. People, uh, consumers were demanding it. And, and uh, basically, showing up to the farmer's markets that stayed open here in Mississippi and uh, buying everything there was. There wasn't enough. So we established an online marketplace through our office, the Department of Agriculture. Uh, it's, we called it the Mississippi Farm Marketplace, msfarmmarketplace.com, and that's where consumers could go online. Farmers could register at no cost to sell whatever products they had on the farm, direct from the farm to consumers, and uh, we had over 25,000 people access that in just the beginning days of uh, COVID-19. And it's the farmers that did sign up to sell whatever products they had, uh, they sold it all. And uh, a great example of connecting uh, the market for agriculture products to the farmers through technology. And then one other thing I'll mention, technology that we rolled out in recent days, uh, we have a uh, a problem in Mississippi, like most of our southeastern states and Texas, I know the feral hogs, wild hogs. Uh, we have uh, deployed a 
Department of Agriculture Wild Hog Control Program that uh, is uh, arming our farmers with these smart traps that work off a smartphone. We go out and teach the farmer to set the traps up. These hogs, by the way, they do over $60 million in damages here on Mississippi farms alone every year. Uh, Train the farmer to operate the trap. Uh, There's an app that comes up when the hogs go in the trap. They can monitor it. And then at the right time, press the button wherever they are in the world and catch those hogs and trap them. Uh, we've been having great success with that, and uh, uh, we expect that type of technology to continue to grow. So technology has changed the world, and I guess that's one good thing that's come of COVID-19. It's, it's forced us to be creative and innovative and uh, take advantage of these these new technologies. Wow. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I like the way you put it. Technology, you know, is, is really a friend of ours. And that's that's really very, very impressive. Um, uh, and then the final question that I have for you, Commissioner, is um, really, is there anything that we have not covered that you would like to talk about? Well, sure. I, I, I had a meeting yesterday. Uh, we're all in sort of a waiting phase in, in, in terms of international trade. Um, I've been doing a lot of virtual meetings. That's another thing we can talk about, technology. Uh, instead of getting on an airplane and traveling to a country that has an interest in purchasing uh, Mississippi or U.S. commodities, um, food products, or as the case may be, forestry products, uh, getting on um, these virtual meetings with uh, buyers around the world. So, we call them virtual trade missions, and we've been doing those for the last few months. And I, I think it's a good thing to to continue to have those relationships while we cannot travel internationally. But I think the time is going to come that we, we are going to need to reinstitute those face-to-face meetings and you know, uh, business-to-business meetings with our trade partners around the world. So uh, right now we're in a planning phase of as uh, COVID-19 hopefully begins to wane and get in the rearview mirror, uh, developing a plan. I, I started by telling you my, my plan for this year was to travel to four major countries, uh, prospects for our products. Uh, I'm uh, looking forward to getting back to doing that and uh, selling more of our Mississippi-grown and raised products and American uh, products as well. So uh, I think this is a time of planning and looking ahead and expecting, and we don't know when COVID will be behind us, but we can't just wait until it's gone. We have to plan ahead. And in the meanwhile, I'll give you one example. Uh, I was supposed to be going to Mexico on a trade mission uh, next week, but because of the travel restrictions uh, that continue, it just got transferred into a virtual trade mission. So uh, we'll be doing that by Zoom or whatever technology they have in Mexico. So we got to plan ahead and keep our marketing efforts going, and that's what we're going to be doing and focusing on in 2021, as well as uh, keeping our local supplies strong and uh, keeping our farmers uh, going. If everything else can stop, but agriculture can never stop, never, never stop. That's right. I love that. Thank you, Commissioner Gibson. Um, Well, I thank you so much for your time. I have really enjoyed our talk, and I've really learned so much. So I appreciate you calling in and talking with us today. Um, Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, and uh, uh, good good to have this technology to get the word out as well. Thank you so much for having me. 
Yes, sir. Uh, to our listeners from all of us at FHLB Dallas, we hope you and your families are staying healthy and are having a great new year. Please visit FHLB.com slash podcast for more episodes of BankCast. Thank you, everyone, and have a great day.